Section thirty six of London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. The Street Folk, Part thirty six. Of the habits, opinions, morals, and religion of patterers generally. In order that I might omit nothing which will give the student of that curious phase of London life in London streets, the condition of the patterers, a clear understanding of the subject, I procured the following account from an educated gentleman, who has been before alluded to in this work, and as he had been driven to live among the class he describes, and to support himself by street selling, his remarks have, of course, all the weight due to personal experience, as well as to close observation. If there is any truth in phrenology, writes the gentleman in question, the patterers, to a man, are very large in the organ of self-esteem, from which suggestion an inquiry arises, namely, whether they possess that of which they may justly pique themselves. To arrive at truth about the patras is very difficult, and indeed the persons with whom they live are often quite in the dark about the history, or in some cases the pursuits, of their lodgers. I think that the patras may be divided into three classes. First, those who were well born and brought up. Secondly, those whose parents have been dissipated and gave them little education. Thirdly, those who, whatever their early history, will not be or do anything but what is of an itinerant character. I shall take a glance at the first of these classes, presupposing that they were cradled in the lap of indulgence and trained to science and virtue. If these people take to the streets, they become, with here and there an exception, the most reprobate and the least reclaimable. I was once the inmate of a lodging-house in which there were at one time five university men, three surgeons, and several sorts of broken-down clerks, or of other professional men. Their general habits were demoralized to the last degree, their oaths more horrid, extravagant, and far-fetched than anything I ever heard. They were stupid in logic, but very original in obscenity. Most of them scoffed at the Bible, or perverted its passages to extenuate fraud, to justify violence, or construct for themselves excuses for incontinence and imposition. It will appear strange that these educated persons, when they turn out upon the street, generally sell articles which have no connection with literature, and very little with art. The two brothers who sell that wonder-working paste which removes grease from the outside of your collar by driving it further in, were both scholars of Christ's hospital. They were second Grecians, and might have gone to college, but several visits to suburban fairs, and their accompanying scenes of debauch, gave them a penchant for a vagabond life and they will probably never relinquish it. The very tall man, there are several others, who sells razors and paste, on a red pagoda-looking stall, was apprenticed to a surgeon in Colchester with a premium of three hundred guineas, and the little dark-visaged man, who sells children's money-boxes and traps to catch vermin, is the son of a late upholsterer in Bath, who was also a magistrate of that city. The poor man alluded to was a law student, and kept two terms in Trinity Hall, Cambridge. Many similar cases might be mentioned, cases founded on real observation and experience. Some light may be thrown upon this subject by pointing out the modus operandi by which a friend of mine got initiated into the art and mystery of patrism. I had lived, he said, more than a year among the tradesmen and tramps who herd promiscuously together in low lodging-houses. One afternoon I was taking tea at the same table with a brace of patterers. They eyed me with suspicion, but, determined to know their proceedings, 
i launched out the only cant word i had then learned they spoke of going to chatham of course i knew the place and asked them where do you stall to in the huey which fairly translated means where do you lodge in the town convinced that i was fly one of them said we drop the main toper go off the main road and slink into the crib house in the back drum street after some altercation with the mot of the ken mistress of the lodging-house about the cleanliness of a knife or fork my new acquaintance began to arrange ground and so on for the night's work i got into their confidence by degrees and i give below a vocabulary of their talk to each other readers note the following table consists of two columns one headed word and the other meaning end readers note crab shells meaning shoes kite meaning paper nests meaning varieties sticky meaning wax toff meaning gentleman baroque meaning lady camister meaning minister crocus meaning doctor bluff meaning an excuse balmy meaning insane mill tag meaning a shirt smeesh meaning a shift haybag meaning a woman doxy meaning a wife flam meaning a lie tevis meaning a shilling bull meaning a crown flag meaning an apron the cant or slang of the patra is not the cant of the costermonger but a system of their own as in the case of the costers it is so interlarded with their general remarks while their ordinary language is so smothered and subdued that unless they are professionally engaged and talking of their wares they might almost pass for foreigners there can be no doubt continues my informant that the second class of street patras to whom nature or parents or circumstances have been unpropitious are the most moral and have a greater sense of right and wrong with a quick-sightedness about humane and generous things to which the aristocratic patterer is a stranger of the dealers in useful or harmless wares although of course they use allowable exaggeration as to the goodness of the article many are devout communicants at church or members of dissenting bodies while others are as careless about religion and are still to be found once or twice a week in the lecture rooms of the mechanics institute nearest to their residence orchard street westminster is a great locality for this sort of patterers three well-known characters bristol george corporal casey and jemmy the rake with a very respectable and highly informed man called grocer from his having been apprenticed to that business have maintained a character for great integrity among the neighbours for many years i come now to the third class of patras those who whatever their early pursuits and pleasures have manifested a predilection for vagrancy and neither can nor will settle to any ordinary calling there is now on the streets a man scarcely thirty years old conspicuous by the misfortune of a sabre wound on the cheek he is a native of the isle of man his father was a captain in the buffs and himself a commissioned officer at seventeen he left the army designing to marry and open a boarding school the young lady to whom he was betrothed died and that event might affect his mind at any rate he has had thirty-eight situations in a dozen years and will not keep one a week he has a mortal antipathy to good clothes and will not keep them one hour he sells anything chiefly needle cases he patters very little in a main drag public street but in the little private streets he preaches an outline of his life and makes no secret of his wandering propensity his aged mother who still lives pays his lodgings in old pie street from the hasty glance i've taken at the patras any well-constructed mind may deduce the following inference 
although a great amount of intelligence sometimes consists with the great want of principle that an utter want of education or miseducation leaves man like a reed floating on the stream of time to follow every direction which the current of affairs may give him there is yet another and a larger class who are wanderers from choice who would rather be street orators and quacks and performers than anything else in the world in nine cases out of ten the street patterers are persons of intemperate habits no veracity and destitute of any desire to improve their condition even where they have the chance one of this crew was lately engaged at a bazaar he had eighteen shillings a week and his only work was to walk up and down and extol the articles exhibited this was too monotonous a life i happened to pass him by as he was taking his wages for the week and heard him say i shall cut this b blank y work i can earn more on the streets and be my own master it would be a mistake to suppose that the patterers although a vagrant are a disorganized class there is a telegraphic dispatch between them through the length and breadth of the land if two patterers previously unacquainted meet in the provinces the following or something like it will be their conversation can you evoke a romany can you speak cant what is your monicure name perhaps it turns out that one is white-headed bob and the other plymouth ned they have a shant of gatter pot of beer at the nearest boozing ken alehouse and swear eternal friendship to each other the old saying that when the liquor is in the wit is out is remarkably fulfilled on these occasions for they betray to the flatties natives all their profits and proceedings it is to be supposed that in country districts where there are no streets the patra is obliged to call at the houses as they are mostly without the hawker's license and sometimes find wet linen before it is lost the rural districts are not fond of their visits and there are generally two or three persons in a village reported to be gammy that is unfavourable if a patra has been crabbed that is offended at any of the cribs houses he mostly chalks a signal on or near the door i give one or two instances readers note line drawing of a small diamond shape elongated vertically and readers note bone meaning good readers note equilateral triangle pointing downwards and readers note coopered spoiled by the imprudence of some other patra readers note square and readers note gammy likely to have you taken up readers note circle with a dot in the centre and readers note flummoxed sure of a month in quod in most lodging-houses there is an old man who is the guide to every walk in the vicinity and who can tell every house on every round that is good for a cold tater in many cases there is over the kitchen mantelpiece a map of the district dotted here and there with memorandums of failure or success patterers are fond of carving their names and avocations about the houses they visit the old jail at dartford has been some years a padding ken in one of the rooms appears the following autographs jemmy the rake bound to bristol bad beds but no bugs thank god for all things razor george and his mole slept here the day afore christmas just out of stir jail for muzzling a peeler scotch mary with driz lace bound to dover and back please god sometimes these inscriptions are coarse and obscene 
sometimes very well written and orderly nor do they want illustrations at the old factory lincoln is a portrait of the town beadle formerly a soldier it is drawn with different coloured chalks and ends with the following couplet you're a bee for false swearing in hell they'll roast you like a herring concubinage is very common among patras especially on their travels they have their regular rounds and call the peregrination going on circuit for the most part they are early risers this gives them a facility for meeting poor girls who have had a night's shelter in the union workhouses they offer such girls some refreshment swear they are single men and promise comforts certainly superior to the immediate position of their victims consent is generally obtained perhaps a girl of fourteen or fifteen previously virtuous is induced to believe in a promise of constant protection but finds herself the next morning ruined and deserted nor is it unlikely that within a month or two she will see her seducer in the company of a dozen incidental wives a grey-headed miscreant called cutler tom boasts of five hundred such exploits and there is too great reason to believe that the picture of his own drawing is not greatly overcharged some of the patterers are married men but of this class very few are faithful to the solemn obligation i have heard of a renowned patterer of this class who was married to four women and had lived in criminal intercourse with his own sister and his own daughter by one of the wives this sad rule has however i am happy to state some splendid exceptions there is a man called andy well known as the companion of hopping ned this andy has a wife of great personal attractions a splendid figure and teeth without a parallel she is a strictly virtuous woman a most devoted wife and tender mother very charitable to anyone in want of a meal and very constant she is a catholic in her religious duties another man of the same school whose name has escaped me is with his wife an exception to the stigma on almost the whole class the couple in question have no children the wife whose name is maria has been in every hospital for some complaint in her knees probably white swelling her beauty is the theme of applause and whenever she opens her mouth silence pervades the padding ken her common conversation is music and mathematics combined her reading has been masculine and extensive and the whisper of calumny has never yet attacked her own demeanour or her husband's of patterers who have children many are very exemplary sending them to day and sunday schools causing them to say grace before and after meals to attend public worship and always to speak the truth these instances however stand in fearful contrast with the conduct of other parents i have seen proceeds my reverend informant fathers and mothers place their boys and girls in positions of incipient enormity and command them to use language and gestures to each other which would make an harlot blush and almost a heathen tremble i have hitherto viewed the patterer as a salesman having something in his hand on whose merits real or pretended he talks people out of their money by slow degrees prosperity rises but rapid is the advance of evil the patterer sometimes gets out of stock and is obliged at no great sacrifice of conscience to patter in another strain in every large town sham official documents with crests seals and signatures can be got for half a crown armed with these the patterer becomes a lurker 
that is an impostor his papers certify any and every ill that flesh is heir to shipwreck is called a shake lurk lost by fire is a glim sometimes the petitioner has had a horse which has dropped dead with the mad staggers or has a wife ill or dying and six or seven children at once sickening of the smallpox children are borrowed to support the appearance the case is certified by the minister and church wardens of a parish which exists only in imagination and as many people dislike the trouble of investigation the patterer gets enough to raise a stock in trade and divides the spoil between the swag shop and the gin palace sometimes they are detected and get a drag three months in prison they have many narrow escapes one occurs to me of a somewhat ludicrous character a patterer and lurker now dead known by the name of captain moody unable to get a fakement written or printed was standing almost naked in the streets of a neighbouring town a gentleman stood still and heard his piteous tale but having been done more than once he resolved to examine the affair and begged the petitioner to conduct him to his wife and children who were in a garret on a bed of languishing with neither clothes food nor fire but it appeared with faith enough to expect a supply from him who feedeth the ravens and in whose sacred name even a cold tater was implored the patra or half patra and half beggar took the gentleman who promised a sovereign if everything was square through innumerable and intricate windings till he came to an outhouse or sort of stable he saw the key outside the door and begged the gentleman to enter and wait till he borrowed a light of a neighbour to show him upstairs the illumination never arrived and the poor charitable man found that the miscreant had locked him into the stable the patra went to the padding ken told the story with great glee and left that locality within an hour of the occurrence concerning the mendicancy and vagrancy of patras i shall have more to say when i speak of vagrancy in general and when i describe the general state and characteristics of the low lodging houses in london and those in the country which are in intimate connection with the metropolitan abodes of the vagrant my present theme is the london patterer who is also a street seller of the publishers and authors of street literature the best known and the most successful printer and publisher of all who have directed their industry to supply the paper in demand for street sale and in every department of street literature was the late jemmy catnatch who is said to have amassed upwards of ten thousand pounds in the business he is reported to have made the greater part of this sum during the trial of queen caroline by the sale of whole sheet papers descriptive of the trial and embellished with splendid illustrations the next to catnatch stood the late tommy pitt of the noted toy and marble warehouse these two parties were the colburn and bentley of the paper trade catnatch retired from business some years ago and resided in a country house at barnet but he did not long survive his retirement he was an out-and-out -out sort said one old paper worker to me and if he knew you and he could judge according to the school you belonged to if he hadn't known you long he was friendly for a bob or two and sometimes for a glass he knew the men that was stickers though and there was no glass for them why some of his customers sir would have stuck to him long enough if there'd been a chance of another glass supposing they'd managed to get one and then would have asked him for a coach home when i called on him he used to say in his north country way 
he wasn't scotch but somewhere north of england and he was pleasant with it well d blank you how are you he got the cream of the pail sir the present street literature printers and publishers are mrs ryle catnatch's niece and successor mr burt and mr paul formerly with catnatch all of the seven dials mr powell formerly of lloyd's brick lane whitechapel and mr good aylesbury street clerkenwell mr fairs of westminster mr taylor of the waterloo road and mr sharp of kent street borough have discontinued street printing one man greatly regretted mr taylor's discontinuing the business he was so handy for the new cut when it was the new cut some classes of patterers i may here observe work in schools or mobs of two three or four as i shall afterwards show the authors and poets who give its peculiar literature alike in prose or rhyme to the streets are now six in number they are all in some capacity or other connected with street patter or song and the way in which a narrative or a copy of worses is prepared for press is usually this the leading members of the schools some of whom refer regularly to the evening papers when they hear of any out-of-the-way occurrence resort to the printer and desire its publication in a style proper for the streets this is usually done very speedily the school or the majority of them and the printer agreeing upon the author sometimes an author will voluntarily prepare a piece of street literature and submit it to a publisher who as in the case of other publishers accepts or declines as he believes the production will or will not prove remunerative sometimes the school carry the manuscript with them to the printer and undertake to buy a certain quantity to ensure publication the payment to the author is the same in all cases a shilling concerning the history and character of our street and public house literature i shall treat hereafter when i can comprise the whole and after the descriptions of the several classes engaged in the trade will have paved the way for the reader's better appreciation of the curious and important theme i say important because the street ballad and the street narrative like all popular things have their influence on masses of the people specimens will be found adduced as i describe the several classes or in the statements of the patterers it must be borne in mind that the street author is closely restricted in the quality of his effusion it must be such as the patterers approve as the chaunters can chaunt the balladeers sing and above all such as street buyers will buy one chaunter who was a great admirer of the song of the shirt told me that if hood himself had written the pitiful case of georgie sloane and his wife it would not have sold so well as a ballad he handed to me from which i extract a verse jane wilbred we did starve and beat her very hard i confess we used her very cruel but now in a jail two long years we must bewail we don't fancy mustard in the gruel what i have said of the necessity which controls street authorship may also be said of the art which is sometimes called in to illustrate it the paper now published for the streets is classed as quarter sheets which cost wholesale one shilling a gross half sheets which cost two shillings and whole or broad sheets such as for executions 
which cost three shillings and sixpence a gross the first day and three shillings the next day or two and afterwards but only if a ream be taken five shillings and sixpence a ream contains forty dozen when illustrated the charge is from threepence to one shilling per ream extra the books for such cases as the sloanes or the murder of jail denny are given in books which are best adapted for the suburban and country trade when london is worked sufficiently are the whole sheet printed so as to fold into eight pages each side of the paper being then of course printed upon a book is charged from sixpence to one shilling extra to a whole sheet per gross and afterwards the same extra per ream of long song sellers i have this week given a daguerreotype of a well-known long song seller and have preferred to give it as the trade especially as regards london has all but disappeared and it was curious enough long songs first appeared between nine and ten years ago the long song sellers did not depend upon patter though some of them pattered a little to attract customers but on the veritable cheapness and novel form in which they vended popular songs printed on paper rather wider than this page three songs abreast and the paper was about a yard long which constituted the three yards of song sometimes three slips were pasted together the vendors paraded the streets with their three yards of new and popular songs for a penny the songs are or were generally fixed to the top of a long pole and the vendor cried the different titles as he went along this branch of the profession is confined solely to the summer the hands in winter usually taking to the sale of song-books it being impossible to exhibit the three yards in wet or foggy weather the paper songs as they fluttered from a pole looked at a little distance like huge much soiled white ribbons used as streamers to celebrate some auspicious news the cry of one man in a sort of recitative or as i heard it called by street patterers sing-song was three yards a penny three yards a penny beautiful songs newest songs popular songs three yards a penny songs 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 others however were generally content to announce merely three yards a penny one cried two under fifty a fardy as if two hundred and fifty songs were to be sold for a farthing the whole number of songs was about forty-five they were afterwards sold at a halfpenny but were shorter and fewer it is probable that at the best had the songs been subjected to the admeasurement of a jury the result might have been as little satisfactory as to some tradesmen who however after having been detected in attempts to cheat the poor in weights and scales and to cheat them hourly are still good men and true enough to be jurymen and parliamentary electors the songs i am informed were often about two and a half yards not as to paper but as to admeasurement of type three yards occasionally at first and not often less than two yards the crying of the titles was not done with any other design than that of expressing the great number of songs purchasable for the small charge of one penny some of the patterers i conversed with would have made it sufficiently droll one man told me that he had cried the following songs in his three yards 
and he believed in something like the following order, but he had cried penny songbooks, among other things, lately, and might confound his more ancient and recent cries. I sometimes began, he said, with singing, or trying to sing, for I'm no vocalist, the first few words of any song, and them quite loud, I'd begin, The Pope, he leads a happy life, he knows no care. Buffalo girls come out to-night, death of Nelson, the gay cavalier, Jim along Josie, there's a good time coming, drink to me only, Kate Kearney, chuckaroo choo 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 la chocola rooney nincaping nang away dusty canty k hotty pie gunny pochina coo that's a chinese song sir i dreamed that i dwelt in marble halls the standard bearer just like love whistle o'er the lavite widow mccree i've been roaming oh that kiss the old english gentleman and so on and so on and so on i dare say they was all in the three yards or was once and if they wasn't there was others as good the chief purchasers of the long songs were boys and girls but mostly boys who expended a penny or a halfpenny for the curiosity and novelty of the thing as the songs were not in the most readable form a few working people bought them for their children and some women of the town who often by anything fantastic were also customers when the three yards was at their best, the number selling them was about a hundred and seventy. The wholesale charge is from threepence to fivepence a dozen, according to size. The profit of the vendors in the first instance was about sixpence a dozen. When the trade had all the attractions of novelty, some men sold ten dozen on fine days, and for three or four of the summer months, so clearing between six shillings and seven shillings a day. This, however, was not an average but an average might be at first twenty-one shillings a week profit. I am assured that if twenty persons were selling long songs in the street last summer, it was the outside, as long songs are now for fairs and races and country work. Calculating that each cleared nine shillings in a week, and to clear that took fifteen shillings, the profit being smaller than it used to be, as many must be sold at a halfpenny each, we find a hundred and twenty pounds expended in long songs in the streets. The character of the vendor is that of a patterer of inferior genius. The stock money required is one shilling to two shillings, which, with twopence for a pole and a halfpenny for paste, is all the capital needed. Very few were sold in the public houses, as the vendors scrupled to expose them there, for drunken fellows would snatch them and make belts of them for a lark. End of section 36